Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 11th, 2010. And um, next article is the federal government is actively working to remove the sovereignty of individual states. This is from a news brief, federal government working to remove sovereignty of states, activist post from July 25th. It has been reported that 46 states are on the verge of bankruptcy. Since states are constitutionally mandated to balance their budgets and do not possess the ability to print money, they're finding themselves in a critically weakened position to challenge the federal government. As I looked at the ease by which, and this is from Cutting Edge, they're the one putting this out, as I looked at the ease by which the federal government imposed a fascist regulatory economy using bailout money, I wondered aloud how long it would be before the same tactic was used to bring the 50 individual states under federal control. Apparently, now remember, that's what we're moving to. We're moving away from like local, state, you know, sheriff, that type of, of, to a federal and then a global control. Okay? Uh, that's what, that's why they're trying to do this. Uh, I wondered aloud how long it would be before the same tactic was used to bring the 50 individual states under federal control. Apparently, that is the next big shoe to fall. Governors in 46 states have evidently run their states into the ground paving the way for a massive bailout which would put the heel of the government, the federal government, upon the necks of the individual states. Now let us return to the featured article to remind ourselves how the Constitution set up the division of power between states and the federal government. In our republic, states have sovereignty to create and enforce their own laws as long as they don't violate the U.S. Constitution. The Tenth Amendment gives states the freedom from federal laws and regulations if they deem them to be unconstitutional. The Tenth Amendment, which makes explicit the idea that a federal government is limited only to the powers granted in the Constitution, is generally recognized to be a truism. States and local governments have occasionally attempted to assert exemption from various federal regulations, especially in areas of labor and environmental controls using the Tenth Amendment as a basis for this claim. In the past several years, the federal government has made several attempts to assert their rights over the states. Obama and company are actually suing Arizona to overturn their new anti-illegal immigration law. We're going to talk more about that in a second. Which is essentially a reiteration of federal law, just with plans to actually prosecute. Additionally, we have seen the steady erosion of the Posse Comitatus Act, which prohibits the use of military for local law enforcement. Stories of active military and the National Guard helping local law enforcement on operations as routine as random as traffic checkpoints and local crimes such as illegal gun and drug searches are becoming everyday news. Again, a clear violation of the Tenth Amendment. It is clear that the goal of the federal government is to centralize and consolidate the control as much as possible. Based on the clear violations already exhibited by the federal government, we can only assume that more centralized oppression is on the way. The conclusion, this conclusion is exactly right. The protocols of the learned elders of Zion clearly foresees the establishment of the most repressive dictatorial government in the world history. The kind of global dictatorship that we would be able to control its citizens so tightly that no man can buy or sell, save that he have the mark of the beast. That That is the goal, and these recent events simply demonstrate how close we are to achieving that final Antichrist agenda. And Doc Marquis just came out with a whole 
DVD series you can get up on Cutting Edge on this uh, Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, which, again, I don't have time to get into that today, but it's a very, uh, very interesting study. Next article, which relates to this last one, this is from News with Views, Jim Corey. It's entitled, Whistleblowers, Not Illegal Aliens, Now Face Criminal Charges. We live in a topsy-turvy nation, and this story should anger all Americans. Suddenly, our nation is prosecuting patriots while protecting lawbreakers, said former NPD police officer um, and private security firm owner. The Utah State employees suspected of blowing the whistle on more than a 1,000 illegal immigrants living in the state have been placed on administrative leave and will likely be criminally charged according to attorneys from nonpartisan public interest groups. Did you hear what I just said? Whistleblowers who blew the whistle on thousands of illegal aliens, which should be our patriotic duty. I mean, they're doing something illegal, right? And it's overtly illegal. No, no, no. They have been placed on administrative leave, the whistleblowers, and will likely be criminally charged for turning in these illegal aliens. Last week, a list of 1,300 suspected illegal aliens was circulated anonymously to various state and federal agencies as well as media outlets, according to a statement from the Washington, D.C.-based Judicial Watch. A letter was enclosed with a 29-page list that included legal aliens and their phone numbers, addresses, and birth dates. Great idea! You know, isn't this a great idea? The letter signed Concerned Citizens of the United States alleged that, quote, they observed these individuals in our neighborhoods, driving on our streets, working in our stores, attending our schools, and entering our public welfare buildings. Copies of the list and the letter were sent to law enforcement agencies, news media outlets, and the Utah state lawmakers by the group who demanded that those names be deported. Sounds reasonable to me. But Utah Governor Gary Herbert called this deplorable of a small rogue group. How dare they turn in these wonderful illegal aliens. It's deplorable that we've got a country where we're turning in illegal aliens evidently now. This is what Utah Governor Gary Herbert said. And he quickly launched an investigation and vowed to punish any public employees responsible for participating in blowing the whistle. Again, this is beyond insanity. This is wicked evil, oh, I, I just, I couldn't believe this. Then he goes, this goes on to say, so far two workers with the Utah Department of Workforce Services have been suspended and at least eight others are under investigation. Investigation for what? Doing, you know, turning in an illegal alien? You think, you know, they're here illegally, why not turn them in? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Evidently not. we got to keep our mouth shut. All of these face... Well, the, I guess these two that were suspended and the eight others under investigation all face criminal charges. Criminal. For violating state and federal privacy laws, according to the governor. If that don't, I'm telling you, if that don't get you fired up your woods wet, that, that is pure satanic. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 13, Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. Isn't that what they're doing here? 
These people are trying to turn in 1,300 people that shouldn't be here. They're here illegally. They've done something good, and how are they rewarded? They're rewarded evil for that good. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Like you do them good, and they reward you with evil? Well, the Bible says evil will not depart from their house. When you do that to somebody, you bring a literal curse on yourself if you're doing that to people. If criminals would just get that comprehension, I mean, it's the whole thing. You reap what you sow, what comes around goes around, whatever you want to believe, but that right there, that premise is is very, very true, and it's very, very biblical. You cannot go in around doing evil to somebody and expect you know good to come upon you. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. This Utah governor is calling evil good and good evil. This goes, uh, former, this NPD police officer and private security firm owner, Bill Fitzgerald, says, quote, We live in a nation where the wicked are increasingly imposing their will on the masses. And this story should anger all Americans. Suddenly our nation is prosecuting patriots while protecting lawbreakers. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Latino project director Tony Yapas told Reuters, Reuters that his Utah office was, quote, inundated with calls from concerned Hispanics, they should say concerned illegal aliens, asking if they were on the list. Why would they even call if they were here illegally? Who cares? I mean, if, if they said, if they had somebody come out and they're here legally, just show them your documentation. You don't got nothing to be afraid of. Why would they even call if they weren't illegal? Just think about it. So, yeah, he was, he's been inundated. There's a lot of, uh, this really, really, really made a lot of these illegal aliens very uncomfortable. So you really got to feel for them, you know. Uh, Utah Democrat Party officials are proud of their protecting illegal immigrants and providing them with endless public benefits as well including discounted tuition at public colleges and universities, as well as other perks not afforded under federal law. Two of the state's largest cities, Salt Lake City and Provo, Utah, have official sanctuary policies that forbid public employees or law enforcement officers from inquiring about a resident's immigration status. You can't even inquire. They've got ten times the rights of an American who's here and born here, a natural-born citizen, illegal aliens have ten times our rights. We have to produce driver's licenses if we go and do a multitude of things. If you open a, a, a bank account, go and, you know, there's so many different areas where normal American citizens will have to produce driver's licenses or some type of identification. That's okay. Okay? But illegal aliens, they don't, oh, no, 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 now you're, now you're, you're going into the, the realm of racial profiling. It's unfair. Again, they've created this crisis on purpose, and they don't want it to go away. They don't want to get rid of the problem. They want to encourage the problem. Okay, so continuing, earlier this year, Utah proudly became the nation's first state to offer a special class of driver's licenses for illegal aliens. Who won't be ineligible to obtain the cards when the new federal security standards kick in? For years, Utah was one of the only handful of states to offer illegal immigrants a driver's license. I mean, 
this one issue, it, it, it's it's okay to be an absolute total lawbreaker. We're going to bless you for being a lawbreaker. We're going to give you all kind of benefits. In fact, what you really want to do is make sure that your women get pregnant before you cross over into our border because then when they have their kids here, you know, you'll be granted residency as well. And then you'll really be official. Then you won't be an illegal alien. Uh, the men have a little harder time at it. Uh, but not really because, you know, hey, they're just, they're, everybody's going to be grandfathered in. And again, the reason all this is happening ultimately is to bring us into the North American Union, which will most likely be one of the ten super states and one of the ten horns that the Bible talks about, you know, in Daniel. So um, this is where we're moving to. And again, it just confirms the Bible. is isn't anything that the Bible that doesn't confirm it. And, and this is why I get into these issues. Uh, let's go further. However, some Utah lawmakers plan to introduce le- legislation similar to the new law in Arizona, which requires state and local police to determine the immigration status of anyone they encounter in the course of their police work, whom they reasonably suspect of being in the country illegally. Now, listen, if you get pulled over as an American, what's the first thing you ask for? Driver's license or registration and insurance. Are you telling me they shouldn't be held to the same accountability? Evidently not. They're, they're, we, we don't want to do that. We, we might offend them. It's, that's racial profiling. Now we have to get the ACLU involved or something. It's just it's insane. So a majority of voters say the federal government should take legal action against cities that provide safe havens to illegal aliens, according to the Washington Times. Meanwhile, hundreds of protesters, this I, I love this, hundreds of protesters marched in front of the Arizona State Capitol yesterday to display their opposition to the state's quest to enforce illegal immigration laws. Now, why didn't they just round up all those illegal aliens, because you know that's who was marching, and check their status? I mean, hey, they all came out for you, but no, 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 we can't do that. we got to leave them alone. We might offend them. Listen to this. After holding a prayer vigil at a church, Hundreds of these protesters demonstrated in front of the federal courthouse. Now, what are they, I can imagine, what, what are they, I mean, I know, I understand most of them are Catholics, but I mean, what are they doing? Are they praying to God, oh God, please, please, you know, bless us in, in this wickedness that we do. Please bless us in our illegal status. I mean, what, what are they, what kind of prayer vigil is this that they're holding? This is how delusional these illegal aliens are, as well as our own government, who are just encouraging this. According to law enforcement officials, the protesters are being bussed into Arizona from California. So I guess they're bussing illegal aliens in from California? These out-of-state demonstrators are being directed by labor unions, such as the Service Employees International Union, or SEIU, according to police sources. So, and again, we've got labor unions that are encouraging the legal, the illegal aliens to do these things. Protesters are also engaged, also engaged in a sit-in at the office of Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arapio. These protesters, who became violent and disruptive, were arrested, and the popular sheriff vowed to go ahead with a crime sweep targeting illegal aliens. He said, my deputies will arrest them and put them in pink underwear. You can count on it. Now, he's the guy that dresses them up like that if if he catches them, the sheriff. Uh, Every scientific poll has has revealed overwhelming support for Arizona 
and its and its new law with even some Democratic governors voicing their support for the Arizona and his governor. But again, because this it's not on Obama's agenda, he's going to go ahead and sue Arizona. How dare they inquire about the status of these illegal aliens, even though law-abiding citizens and Americans would, would have to be subject to that any time they were ever pulled over or in, or in a myriad of other things that they would have to engage in. Next article. Arizona sheriff says our own government has become our enemy. Um, this is from a lady named Penny Starr, cnsnews.com. This is from Pinal County, Arizona. Sheriff Paul Babu, that's a crazy name, is hopping mad at the federal government. Babu told cnsnews.com that rather than help law enforcement in Arizona stop the hundreds of thousands of people who come into the U.S. illegally, the federal government is targeting the state and its law enforcement personnel to stop them. That's very troubling is the fact that, what's very troubling is the fact that at a time when we in law enforcement and our state need help from the federal government, instead of sending help, they just put up some billboard billboards warning our citizens to stay out of the desert in my county because of the dangerous drug and human smuggling and weapons and bandits that are there. In the So just, you know, leave them alone, let them come in, let them do whatever they're going to do, just leave the desert alone, let them just come in. That's exactly what our government's telling them to do. And then he goes on to say, and these and other things, and then behind that, they then drag us into court with the ACLU because we're violating civil rights, evidently. The sheriff was referring to the lawsuits filed by the American Civil Liberties Union and the U.S. Department of Justice challenging the state's new immigration laws. So who has partnered with the ACLU? Um, it's the president and the attorney general, Eric Holder himself. And that's simply outrageous. That's what the sheriff said. Last week, U.S. District Judge Susan Bolton placed a temporary injunction on portions of the bill that allowed law enforcement personnel during the course of a criminal investigation who have probable cause to think an individual is in the county illegally to check immigration staff. So Susan Bolton, U.S. District Court Judge, placed an injunction on that. So now they still they, they can't do that now. You've got to stop that. You, can't, you cannot inquire about an illegal alien status. The state of Arizona filed an appeal on Thursday with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The sheriff then goes on to say, our, our own government has become our enemy and is taking us to court at a time when we need help. If the president would do his job and secure the border and send 3,000 armed soldiers to the Arizona border to stop the illegal immigration and drug smuggling and violence, we wouldn't even be in this position and where we're forced to take matters into our own hands. And not only that, but as we've proved in some of the other studies, we've got... <clears throat> Many, many Islamic terrorists also coming in through the border as well. They're wanting that as well because when things go down and when they have their false flag garbage go off, they're going to want as many of those radicals in this country as possible. And, and again, this has all been proven in, in previous studies that we've done. Uh, the federal government's failure to secure the border and its current thwarting of Arizona's effort to control illegal immigration within its borders has implications for the entire country. The bigger picture is that what's going on in Arizona is critically important. What comes out of this and what happens here will affect our entire nation in terms of our ability to protect our citizenry from a very serious homeland security threat. Uh, people who are coming across the border in my, in my county aren't staying there. 
This is the sheriff talking. They're going everywhere in the U.S., and a lot of them are very bad, bad people. But no, just let them pour in. Next article. Newly identified corporate supporters of Planned Parenthood named. Boy, this one, I tell you what, this is a real heavy-duty one here. Uh, which has dire- directly impacted me when I, when I read it, and you'll see why. Uh, Life Decisions International has released a revised edition of the, quote, boycott list, which identifies corporations that support Planned Parenthood, the world's primary abortion advocacy group. Advocacy, I'm sorry, I got tongue-tied, group. As a result of the commitment, action, and prayers of pro-family people, at least 256 corporations have stopped funding Planned Parenthood. So they've made a real dent in this type of thing, because they've created a lot of public awareness of these corporations supporting Planned Parenthood. It is estimated that the boycott has cost Planned Parenthood more than $40 million since the corporate funding project began 18 years ago. In other words, Planned Parenthood started this thing called the CFP, the Corporate Funding Project, to get funding from large, gigantic, mega-corporations to fund their death mills so that they can kill innocent unborn babies in the womb because they're murderers and they're of their father the devil and of his works they will do. That's what Planned Parenthood's all about. This should serve as a testament to those who thought it impossible to change corporate philanthropic behavior. New boycott targets include... Now, now I'm. this is something that I will... Again, this will be in the PDF with this and you can also go up to their, their website. It's www fightpp.org like Planned Parenthood fightpp.org okay if you want to get this now if you want to get the full boycott list they charge you for it okay so not not my idea but they they do they've got to try to keep up with their expenses and um, but these are the big boys that I'm going to be going over right now and a lot of this is going to going to probably greatly impact the way a lot of us shop and do business and things of this nature. I know it is me. Here we go. New boycott targets. Now these are ones that are directly funding Planned Parenthood. AOL. America Online. Now I never liked America Online anyway. I mean, they got the pyramid with the basically all-knowing eye in the middle. I mean, come on. You know, if you got that, I don't think you should have that as your internet provider. I've never felt that way. Okay, so let's go further. Uh, next one are the Darden restaurants, which would include Bahama Breeze, the Capitol Grill, Longhorn Steak, Steakhouse, Olive Garden, Red Lobster, and Season 52. Taylor, Taylor's not happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one, Franchise Services, which is PIP, Signal Graphics, and Sir Speedy. I think that's what I'm printing. Then, Hilton, Worldwide. Conrad Hotels, Doubletree, Embassy Suites, Hampton Inns, Hilton Garden Inns, Hilton Hotels, Homewood Suites, and then all the Ignite restaurants, which would be Brickhouse Tavern uh, and Tap, Joe's Crab Shack, and then ING Financial Services, and then Cole's Department Stores, Mrs. Fields Cookies, Staples, which is the uh, office and school supply, Toys R Us. I mean, hey, doesn't that make sense? I mean, you got a toy store. You would think you'd benefit from more children being born. No, no, no. We want to kill them all. 
well, hey, they're the same ones that sell the Ouija boards. And now you can go there and get your pink glow-in-the-dark Ouija board, too, just for, like, little kids. Don't they got that now? Yeah. They got, they've got witchcraft for kids. I would not go to Toys R Us, period. They're wicked, evil devils. Don't, don't think I'm biased. I'm sorry. Just kidding. Anyway, next one. Trader Joe's, which are supermarkets. Um, and then returning to the boycott list, meaning they were off it and now they're back on because they just couldn't resist giving money to, fu- to, to fund these death mills. The Gap. Clothing stores? The Gap. Freddie Mac, which is the U.S. government-sponsored secondary mortgages. And then corporations, including a boycott, uh, continuing as boycott targets from previously released boycott list. So in other words, these are these are ones that they've been targeted before and they don't care, they're going to keep giving money. First one, Alpha Graphics. Next one, Wells Fargo, including Wachovia Bank. Next one, Nike, the shoe company. Uh, now you know Nike, that actual word, I, I believe it's derived from like the god of war, Nike. It's, it's, it's basically a, a fallen angel. Time Warner, that really shouldn't surprise us. Bank of America, that really shouldn't surprise us either. Um, CIA-backed Bank of America. Then, Walt Disney, another one. Walt Disney, you'd think they would want more children to be born because they could sell more of their garbage. Again, we've done, uh, I think, a nine-part series on Disney. But no, no, they want the little children to die too. They want them to die in the womb as well. Johnson & Johnson, the ones that make all those, I mean, there's a ton of products they make. And then Lost Arrow, Pantagonia, I think their clothing line. Chevron, the, the uh, gas station, Nationwide Insurance, among others. Garvey was critical of pro-life organizations that continue to use PayPal, even though it has been a boycott target for several years. Now, I didn't know this. Okay, I'm sorry, I apologize. I did not, as God is my witness, I did not know PayPal was funding Planned Parenthood. I had no clue. And I'm going to get that link off as quick as I can, but um, if I'm going to try to find some other comparable thing, but um, um, anyway, I'm going to try to get that off there uh, as soon as I can. And, you know, again, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. I learn new stuff every day, too. I've never sat here and said, well, I got it all figured out, and I'm Mr. Smarty Pants, and I'm better than you because I know it all. Well, you don't want to ever get to that point because if you get to that point, that's pride and pride blinds you. So I keep learning stuff just like everyone else. But here I am (laughs) up here talking about the current event New World Order stuff every week and I got a PayPal link that I'm using. I mean, I look like a total hypocrite. But I honestly, as God is my witness, I didn't know. So anyway, PayPal is owned by boycott target eBay. eBay is also on the list, big time. Garvey said, and another thing, PayPal uses as their bank um, the one we just mentioned, which is, um, uh, they use Wells Fargo as their bank. So you got PayPal, Wells Fargo, and eBay all on the same list, and they all, they're all interrelated. So um, let's go further. And again, you know, this is something that you can inform other ministries about as well because almost everybody uses PayPal for like everything. Some some sites you go up to, it's the only way you can pay is through PayPal. And a percentage of everything that they're getting is going to funding 
death mills. So let's go further. Uh, <clears throat> PayPal is owned by Boycott Target eBay. Garvey said most pro-life groups are aware that it is a boycott target because it has funded Planned Parenthood. But they have consciously chosen to continue doing business with the company. Doing so is indefensible. In other words, if you knew that PayPal was doing this and you still keep using this, you know, then now you really become responsible in God's eyes. Not to say you can't be destroyed for lack of knowledge or that that couldn't hurt your ministry on a spiritual level. I mean, I praise the Lord I found this out because now I'm thinking, oh, wow, there's a part of my ministry where there was leaven and I'm going to get rid of it. Who knows how that was affecting this ministry? Who knows? So, um, it's, it's all good when you find out stuff like that. Garvey said alternatives to PayPal exist and he will gladly help anyone who has trouble tracking them down. Well, I will say this. I tried calling them today, this company, and, uh... You know, I'm not real wild about the fact they're charging for this boycott list because to me, you know, this is something you want to get out there. Okay, okay, I understand they, they've got to have ways of making their expenses and things of this nature. Fine. But I tried calling there today and if you want to ask somebody or, or as far as a specific question about something, you end, you end up entering this code, I think it's like 2-1, and it cuts you off. It disconnects you. I called twice, disconnected me both times. Then I emailed them, and I got this form email back saying, well, this is, these are the questions that we get a lot of, and here's the answers to them. And that we can't answer our emails because we get like 50 emails a day. We couldn't possibly answer all this. I'm thinking, well, here I am, I'm one person, and I get over 50 emails a day, and I'm answering them all, and I've got, I don't have the budget that they've got. They said they had a budget of $115,000 a year to run their organization, and I don't know. I'm not using myself as a gold standard. I just don't quite understand the way they're going about this. Um, but anyway, now that kind of irked me a little bit. But again, their their information is incredibly important, though. And again, this is a way that a lot of Christians are on some in some way, shape, or form being destroyed for lack of knowledge, because uh, it matters where we put our money. Let's go further. Uh, <clears throat> Garvey said alternatives to PayPal exist. Uh, it is unconscionable. Anyone who claims to be pro-life would be willingly doing business with a company that funds the number one enemy of a pre-born children. You know, and I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, that's me. Because I'm using PayPal. You know, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help, but it was, you know, and it was true. But I didn't know. Uh, the new boycott list includes a dishonorable mention section, which identifies charitable groups that are associated with Planned Parenthood and or its agenda. Groups named in this section include the Lions Club, uh, the American Cancer Society. Well, the only reason the American Cancer Society is there is because they're trying to promote cancer and make sure you get it and make sure you never get rid of it because that's how they make their money. Easter Seals, again, very similar. Far serving the Pharmacia, sorcery. Boys and Girls Clubs. Again, kind of weird. You'd think that they would want more children to be here so that they could have more boys, more boys and girls in their clubs, but evidently not. Another one, Ronald McDonald House Charities. They're funding Planned Parenthood. I guess they're figuring, well, you know, we got too many kids in our Ronald McDonald homes. We got to kill some of these kids off before they're ever born so we don't have to deal with them. That's the only thing I could think of. Campfire, uh, Girls Inc., 
Girl Scouts, uh, who's nothing more than the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts have turned into New Age recruitment centers, and also where pedophiles love to recruit to so that they can molest people, and that's a proven fact. We've, we've not saying everybody, but it is proven fact that a lot of that goes on there. The Kiwanis Clubs, March of Dimes, Muscular Dystrophy Association. Oh, no, not Jerry's Kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny? All these ones that are supposedly trying to get rid of all these diseases and stuff are actually giving money to make sure that more and more children are being destroyed before they ever get out of the womb. You better not be giving your money to them. Rotary Clubs. Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation. Salvation Army. Oh, wasn't that amazing? The Salvation Army. Wow. I thought they were a Christian. No, they actually give money to Planned Parenthood. Nope. The YWCA. And then America Gives Back. Formerly American Idol Gives Back. So American Idol listeners, you, you, you better understand. American Idol is giving money to Planned Parenthood. And then the YMCA, among others. This has not been sort, some sort of Jesse Jackson boycott where we make news for a few days and then we go away, says LDI Chairman Thomas Stobar. Corporate officials are learning that those who value life are among the most dedicated people on earth. We will not go away until corporate involvement with Planned Parenthood comes to an end. Hey, praise the Lord. More power too. I mean, I, I, I thank God that I learned this information. Uh, more information about the CFP including the steps taken here before the corporation is placed in the boycott list. Uh, there's a thing you can listen to here. Uh, and then it says, Life Decisions International is dedicated to challenging the culture of death, concentrating on exposing and fighting the agenda of Planned Parenthood. LDI's chief project is a boycott of corporations that fund abortion, the abortion-committing giant. To learn more about Planned Parenthood, they've got a link you can click on. I've done several studies on abortion. Uh, how the abortion clinics, literally the ones that own that, are usually witches or somebody involved in the occult, and they literally view the abortions that are going on as sacrifices to Artemis, Lilith, Moloch, or Chemosh, which are ancient fallen angelic deities, the Bible mentions even in several places, and that's how they view them. They view them, in fact, the, the quote that I had said before is one of the witches that own one of these abortion clinics, Is she, she said something to the effect of, you practice your religion your way, and I'll practice it in mine. My religion is that one of holy child sacrifice. And that's how they view their abortion clinics and their death things as they're killing babies during the day. Um, and this is how, not only are they making tons of money, but they're also sacrifices to their gods. So they can do this and actually practice their religion. It is the most sick thing that probably, I think in God's eyes, goes on on the planet today. Killing babies in, in the unborn, you know, in, in the womb. Unbelievable. Anyway, I give all their contact information. Uh, don't, I wouldn't, uh, uh, it said the only way, I mean, it said something about credentialed press. If like you're a credentialed press member, I think you might be able to talk to them. But I got the impression they're very hard to get a hold of. Uh, I didn't like that that much either, I mean, but hey. Um, anyway, if you want to get the boycott list, I give you a link here. I don't know how much it is. Um, okay, so going back to our article here. Uh, let's see here. This one 
is from uh, Cutting Edge. Now we're going to switch gears some here. And this is um, the uh, video footage report details Italian gay priest activities in bars. So the gay priests are really coming out of the woodwork. There's a DVD from Bill Schneblin on Catholicism, The Church on the Haunted Hill, and that he just came out with that I have a link to. This is from just July 19th. Rome, Italy. Uh, this headline news. Video footage of three Catholic priests inside a gay bar uh, engaging in sex in a church building have Roman Catholic officials fuming in this latest sex scandal to rock the church. Now, I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to be like National Enquirer. There's a point to this that we're going to get to. Can you imagine this bold public display by Catholic priests of their debauchery? The entire world is now focused on the spectacle of priests having sex with young boys in their care, and yet these priests are boldly displaying their homosexuality in public in a gay bar. But even more insidious, these priests are caught on camera engaging in gay sex in a Catholic church building. How can this be? How can these priests carry out such unbelievable sacrilege? To understand this, you have to believe the key points on the new DVD shown above, Catholicism, a church on a haunted hill. Now, I've done several, several teachings on Catholicism to prove how wicked it is. But I think this DVD from Bill, he always does good stuff uh, regarding exposing these types of, su of subjects. Bill Schneblin makes two major points pertinent to the understanding on how Catholic priests should engage in gay sex in a Catholic church. Number one, Catholic priestly leadership from popes, cardinals, bishops, and priests have long believed, now this is at the higher, esoteric, Gnostic levels of the Catholic church. That, that This isn't the stuff that the broad masses or the laity is exposed to. Okay, This is the high-level doctrine that they're taught once they get beyond a certain point. Just like being in Satanism. You get to certain levels and you realize, or the Freemasons, you get to the 30th level and you start getting a taste of what is really, really, really going on. And then when you have to go to Washington, D.C. and drink wine out of a human skull, you really know what's going on as a 33rd-degree Mason. Because that's what they got to do at the temple, uh, the capital, their capital in Washington, D.C. Um, so anyway, let's go further. Um... They believe that the only reason Jesus could work his miracles was because he was empowered by the dark forces of Satan at the highest levels. As we stated above, this is in the unpartable sin. Well, what is the unpartable sin? Where you essentially, if you look in the Bible, it's where you attribute the works of Jesus Christ to Satan. Because that's when it came up. This is the unpardonable sin. And again, I don't have time to go into that, that study right now, but I understand why they're saying that. If the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church has committed this unpardonable sin for 1,200 years, you could see how their conscience has been seared with a hot iron, according to 1 Timothy 4.2. Um, in the end times, um, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's the verse that they're in reference to. Since the Holy Spirit does not any longer restrain the sin of one who has committed the unpardonable sin, that person can fall into the deepest, darkest sin hell has ever conceived against God. I mean, hey, if your conscience is seared, anything goes. You have no more conscience. This is how people do this type of stuff, where they get into pedophilia and, and gay pedophilia and the whole nine yards. 
pretty much is, is because their conscience has been seared. Um, they're beyond anything sacred or holy. Number two, the Roman Catholic Church has never been a genuine Christian church, but a practice of witchcraft. One former Satanist told me that a Catholic church is a repository of demonic spirits. He said that he had to walk on the other side of the street from any Catholic church he was passing because he could feel the demonic power emanating from the building. I remember I went to that, Taylor and I went to that, uh, community not too recently uh what's that called again avi marie in um it's it's in collier county um near immokalee in um collier county in florida and it's out in the middle of nowhere weirdest thing you ever saw i mean it's it's literally near immokalee immokalee is like a, a migrant community and you go in and it's this small city of of Catholics, with the central focus being this gigantically grandiose, ultra modern Catholic church in the very in the center of the city. And I'm talking, this city has everything. It's and it's all for Catholics. You can go there. You can buy parcels of land. Uh, it's got a public shopping center. It's got all these little shops. Everything you could possibly need. You wouldn't even have to leave that place if you didn't want to. It's got pretty much everything you need, and it's a it's a self contained Catholic city called Avi Marie, and they've got their own college too. And we went in there, and, and I said, i got to go in this church. i got to go in this place. I mean, it looked just satanic. And I'm like, so we went in, and I forget, I can't, it's a little sketchy, but there was a guy there that greeted us, and, and I said, hey, you know, how you doing? And I was in, like, shorts, you know. I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, I was in, like, jean shorts. I was, you know, but um, we were in there, and, and, man, I tell you what, that was a dark I can understand what he's saying about here because it was a very dark spiritual uh, feeling walking into that place. Oppressive, dark, evil. I mean, we're talking very, very, very high level witchcraft. And if you get into a confrontation with a Catholic, you'll see how much bondage they're in if you try to break them free or if you really start presenting them the real gospel, or going against the Catholic Church, you'll see their fangs come out real quick. Uh, they could be the nicest, sweetest person to you in the face, and you start to confront a Catholic with this type of information, and it's all based on fact, they don't want to hear it, and they will they will flat turn real mean on you real quick. I've seen it happen many times. So these are very, very powerful spirits you're dealing with when you deal with the Catholic Church or a Roman Catholic that's been under this bondage. And most of them have been under this bondage generationally. The sins of the forefathers are carried to the third and fourth generation. That's what the Bible says. And if you have a Catholic that's, that's had a family that's been in that generation after generation after generation, they get more steeped in this bondage and the, it's more of a demonic hold that it has on them. So anyway, um, I mean, how, how could these people in this church overlook the fact that the very people that they're choosing to lead them, the vast majority of them are homosexual, homosexuals and a lot of them are, are pedophiles. I mean, that alone, you would think they would wise up and get out of this cult. No, no, no. They're, they're, it's, it's still the, the mother of all of all churches, and, and, and we, you know, we're just, we'll overlook that. Yes, it has some shortcomings, but, I mean, we're talking a gigantic percentage of these, I've done a whole teaching on the, on the Catholic pedophile priests, on the percentages. 
and it's gigantic. You would think that by itself would be enough for people to break free. They're blinded to it. Satan has totally blinded them regarding this matter. And um, let's go further here. Uh, At long last we are seeing a display of Roman Catholic witchcraft and pure evil on almost a daily basis. Let us return to the featured story for one more detail. A member of the clergy quoted by a magazine claims the proposition of gay priests in the Italian capital to be at 98%. Wow. Just like Disney, proven fact that their upper management are, it's the majority of upper management are all gay. And that's how it goes. We were just having this conversation the other day, Mike, um, regarding if there's, like, let's say you go into a restaurant and you got a guy, particularly if it's a gay guy or a gay woman, a lesbian, that gets into a position of management. Guess who they're going to hire? They're going to hire their buddies. And it's pretty soon you go in there and the whole restaurant is full of either gays or lesbians or a combination thereof. Okay, and that's what happens. They are, they're, they're, they look after their own. They want to be surrounded by their own kind, and they want to get to a position of strength and dominance. And this is why they seek a lot of positions in high government and these types of things because they want to be able to influence, um, you know, people that aren't gay and try to push their agenda in their legislations. So this guy, a member of clergy quoted by this magazine, says the. The proportion of gay priests in the Italian capital is at 98%. Uh, since the Vatican is in Rome, does this statement mean that 98% of the Vatican officials are gay? We believe this is the case, because the very hill on which the Vatican sits is called Vaticanus, which in the days of Imperial Rome was the place where witches performed their rituals and where soothsayers and prognosticators of every stripe plied their trade. It has been a place, Vaticanus, where the Vatican sits, which is the essential capital and zenith of Catholicism. It's literally its own country. This is the place where witches and soothsayers and prognosticators for, for centuries did their thing, which is where they went. It's cursed ground. So this is the obvious place they would want to put their capital on, on the most cursed ground they could possibly find. Now, again, I've said, I've said this before. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This religion was leavened and corrupted from the very, very inception. How can anything good come out of that? And isn't it weird that the modern-day Bibles are all based on the 1881, or almost all, are based on the 1881 version called the Revised Version that was translated by two occultists named Westcott and Hort who translated it from the two corrupt manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. And the Sinaiticus was found in a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai, hence the word Sinaiticus, and this monastery it was found as beyond creepy. Uh, I've seen pictures of it. It was in a trash can. And the Vaticanus was found in the Vatican. And it was so corrupt, nobody even used either version. And that was why the one was in a trash can. And this is where we get our modern day Bible versions from? It all kind of makes sense when you really start looking at the big picture. The Roman Catholic Church, which has spiritual genes identical to the priests of the Satanic Babylonian religion. See, 
Catholicism is nothing more than repackaged Babylonian witchcraft. That's all it is. It's just repackaged with, with a Christian veneer on it. The goddess figure in their cult religion is Mary. I mean, they pray to him. They call her now, they call Mary the co-redemptrix. Meaning, you have to go through Mary and Jesus in order to get to God. You, you can't just go to Jesus. In fact, you really got to go through the priest and then Mary and then you got to do all the other saints and then all the other garbage you got to do, the seven sacraments. And then still, you're not going to go to heaven because you have to serve some time in purgatory. And you're going to have to have somebody pray you out of there. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Um... Let's go further. Logically, they chose the most demonically possessed hill in ancient Rome in which to build their church headquarters. When you got a cult that that is that corrupted, you know, it makes sense that you'd have this level of corruption going on. 98% of the priesthood? Wow. Unbelievable. Next article, and the last article, is Benny Hinn caught in adultery in a web of lies in Rome. Now, I've done individual teachings on Benny Hinn Catherine Coleman and Amy Simple McPherson. Okay, this is what some of the inception and roots of the modern day charismatic movement, and that might upset some people. But I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, making this stuff up. And um, this is this is where a lot of this is where Benny Hinn's foundation came from today, and we're going to take another look at that again because it ties into the Catholic Church very, very heavily. All the more, and have you seen Benny Hinn lately? I mean, he comes out and he's basically got a priest collar on now. He just doesn't have the classic Catholic priest, but it's this grandioso, like, thing he wears, and it's got one of those little priest cutout things. You know, he wants to be, like, a Catholic priest, evidently. Let's look at a few Bible verses before we get into this. Jude 3 and 4 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, this is a big reason I do what I do as well. As far as justification for this ministry, we're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And earnestly contending for the faith would mean defending it, would mean if we saw leaven creeping in, we contend for the pure faith of the Bible and warn others that don't get into this stuff, because I don't want to see you destroyed for lack of knowledge. I don't want to see you swept up into this stuff. Um, why Why do we innocently contend for the faith? Well, the next verse tells us, for there are certain men crept in unawares, meaning people were unaware of these men creeping in, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, Turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness, like into lustfulness, like the grace of God. We don't sin that grace may, be, may abound. We don't use our liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But that's what they these have done. And denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says these were men that crept in unawares, and they were before of old ordained unto this condemnation. That's kind of weird. They were ordained? Where are some other Bible verses that kind of talk about that concept? Well, the Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. That's a Bible quote. Well, you mean they were born? Listen, I can't explain everything. All I'm telling you is this is what the Bible says. It says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. I mean, he told Jeremiah before 
I formed thee in the womb. I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He knew Jeremiah before he formed him in the womb. Before he formed him in the womb. I don't quite understand all that, but hey, God does. That's pretty cool, I think. He knew us before we actually went in the womb. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, And then the Bible says, in Hebrews, it says that these wicked are vessels of wrath, fitted, which means prepared, for God's destruction. I I can't explain everything, but I'm just telling you, it's what the Bible says. Okay, And these, Benny Hinn and people like him, are of this ilk, Men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen through fifteen says, "For such as Benny Hinn, Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Sibyl McPherson, and a host of others are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So they appear to be apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light." Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So they appear as ministers of righteousness, but they're not. They're actually ministers of Satan. Uh, By their fruit you shall know them. Okay, we're going to look at some of Benny's fruit and Catherine's and Amy Simple McPherson's fruit today. 2 Peter 2.17-19 says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried away with a tempest, of whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak with great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, which is very common for the televangelist movement. Not saying everyone, but I'm saying it's common in general. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from those that live in error. While they promise them liberty, like so many of the particularly charismatic ilk in the, ter- in the televangelist industry do, while they promise them liberty or some other gospel, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you go and you sit under these teachers, whether it's man or woman, and you sit under there and you start soaking in whatever, whatever heresy they're putting forth, eventually you're going to be overcome and you're going to be brought into bondage. And you're not even going to know what happened. So this is why it's very, very careful to test the spirits, see if what they're saying lines up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, get away from them. So, let's go further. Uh, let's see here. I was in Rome. Okay, so let's go further. Um, uh, let's see. Benny Hinn says, I was in Rome for official talks in the Vatican, claims Benny Hinn, caught on camera, walking hand in hand with prosperity teacher, preacher, Paula White. Benny Hinn and Paula White, hand in hand in Rome, claiming to have official work in the Vatican. And I mean, the pictures are out there. I mean, it's totally them. They got caught. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, television preachers Benny Hinn and Paula White have rejected reports in the press last week suggesting they were romantically involved. Well, I tell you what, if they're not, it sure looks like they are. The two faith healers and prosperity teachers were caught by the paparazzi in the photos published in American Gossip Magazine, National Enquirer. The magazine showed pictures of the televangelists entering and leaving a hotel room in Rome holding hands. I mean, doesn't the Bible say to flee all appearance of evil? You know, I mean, that's not fleeing all appearance of evil, that's for sure. 
but then again, they threw the Bible out a long time ago, both of them. They deny any wrongdoing during their visit in Italy. Oh, I'm sure it was totally plutonic, and it was everything was on the up and up. Uh, considering you know how corrupt they both are, uh, then they were they were saying that they were there for ministry duties and were never alone. Paula White said, quote, We were never alone, and we were in constant company of the staff and other associates. My relationship with Pastor Benny is genuine and pure. Pure as the driven snow. I mean, hey, you're Rebecca Sunnybrook Farm there, Paula White. You know, why wouldn't we believe that? And then she says, and this should not be taken out of, out of context. How stupid does she think? But her followers will believe it. Because they've been overcome. Like that last verse I just said, they've been, they've been overcome and brought into bondage. And they'll believe whatever she says. In February, Hinn's wife filed for divorce after 30 years of marriage. White split from her husband, Randy, in 2007. MSNBC reports that both Hinn and White both said that they were in Italy to meet with Vatican officials. Traveling independently for their respective ministry duties. Well, what are they on the payroll of the Vatican? Like I said, Benny's dressing up like a Catholic priest now anyway. It's just a matter of time before he makes it official. They're both saying that they were there on behalf of the... Now, this, I tell you, this this information here so confirms so many other studies I've done on the Catholic Church, on the corruption of the televangelists in America, on the fact that I believe that... Uh, uh, the whole thing about with the, how the Catholic Church is going to play a part in the end time religious delusion and what part they're going to play, we're going to look at that. But it, man, is it, does it confirm, cross-confirm, so much that we've reported on. Priest Federico, Federico Lombardi is the official spokesman for the Vatican. He denies that Hinn had any official appointments in the Vatican last week, but Lombardi confirms that Hinn was invited to the Vatican in 2008. Now, why would Hinn and Paula White say that? And the Vatican deny it. Well, I believe the Vatican is trying to distance itself from this scandal, from this affair. They've got enough problems on their hands with their gay pedophile priests showing up in gay bars and then having sex in the church and getting caught on film. They don't want to have any part of this. And I don't think that it's quite time ready yet for them to admit that we're going to be yoking up with the Charismatics. Now, just so you all know, and you might not know this, but there is a sect of Charismatics called the Charismatic Catholics, who are going to be the bridge between Charismania and the Catholic Church. Now, I know this. I was there, done it. I had a Bible study before I broke free from the Charismatic movement, and I had about 30 people that would show up on Tuesdays. And um, one of the guys that showed up was a Charismatic Catholic. And I always thought, man, that's a weird, because, I mean, and one day I went to him and I said, in a real nice way, I started showing him some things about Catholicism. And man, that was the last time I ever saw him. He just, you know, countenance totally changed. Don't you dare say anything about the Catholic Church. And yet, you know, here I am having a Bible study. And as long as I don't tramp on the Catholic Church's feet, he's all good. But as soon as I say anything that I can verify in the Bible, you don't want nothing to do with it. So... Please understand, that's going to be one of the, the bridges between, which is really mysticism, esotericism, occultism. A lot of the stuff that goes on within the charismatic movement is a lot of the stuff that's also going on in the Catholic movement, which is based in ancient witchcraft. A lot of it is giving heed to seducing spirits, 
doctrines of devils, doesn't mean that I'm over here saying I hate everybody in the charismatic movement or anything like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of leaven in the charismatic movement. Um, and there's some very, very incredibly sincere people in the charismatic movement as well. But just because you're sincere doesn't mean you're right. You have to compare everything with scripture and see if it lines up. And so, anyway, let's go further. Um, uh, Benny Hinn was first invited to the Vatican in 1989 when he had a personal meeting with Pope John Paul II. Now, normally, I mean, why would he, if he was a true born-again Bible-believing Christian, why would he want anything to do with, with the Pope? Why would he, I mean, why? Well, he was invited all the way back in 1989. Some of the visitors wanted to sit on the first row at the papal audience. This was in 1989. Hinn was one of them. They were considering on donating funds to the restoration of the large, of a large orgel, whatever that is, explains Lombardi. I mean, this was the Vatican spokesman saying this. That Benny Hinn wanted to be on the first row to have his papal audience. The only thing I guess he they gave him um, was a uh, the Vatican at the time was coming out with a toiletry line and they gave Benny Hinn a Pope on a rope to take home, you know, Pope on a rope bath bar. But that's all he got, I guess. I don't know. So I just made that part up. Anyway, um, yeah, the American Gossip magazine reports that it is not known if Hinn ever gave a donation to this restoration. Well, again, that's not something he's going to advertise. From where does Benny Hinn take his powers? Under what authority does he operate? If you're not aware that Hinn operates in the occult realms and serves the principalities of darkness, please read this sermon of the American TV evangelist. During a sermon on the Holy Spirit, Hinn offered the following testimony. I'm going to read this exactly as Hinn gave it. Okay? This is quoting Benny Hinn. One of the strangest experiences I had was a few years ago, visiting Amy Subble McPherson's tomb in California. Now, we have Amy Subble McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Benny Hinn. Okay? These are all reprobate apostates that have come up through charismania. Okay? And we're going to talk about each, each one of them individually here. Okay? But this is Benny Hinn. One of the, I'm quoting exactly from his telecast. One of the strangest experiences I had was a few years visiting Amy Semple McPherson's tomb in California. This Thursday, I'm on TBN. Friday, I'm going to go and visit Catherine Kuhlman's tomb. It's close by Amy's in the Forest Lawn Cemetery. I've been there once already, and every so often I like to go and pay my respects, because this great woman of God has touched my life. Now, we're going to look at this great woman of God and look at her fruit in, in a few minutes here. And then he goes on to say, and that grave uh, where she's buried is closed. They built walls around it. You can't get in without a key, and I'm one of the very few people who can get in. Now that is a total lie, he just told. I never even picked up on that until I saw a picture of her tomb, which I posted in here. Her tomb's out in the middle of a cemetery. It's in the middle of this grassy cemetery. It's not, there's not walls around it. And I even did a keyword search to see if there's any more current pictures. And every picture I found of this tomb, it was the same one, just from different angles, taken at different times. So he's lying about that there's walls built around it. He's saying you can't get in without a key. Well, unless these walls are imaginary and invisible, and he's got some invisible key to unlock it, it's it's all it's all a bunch of lies because it's right out in the open. There's nothing. There's no walls. So again, the guy can't even tell the truth about anything. He's such a liar. Um, he's one of the very few people that can get in. 
what a bunch of garbage. It's, it's out in the open. Then he goes on to say, but I'll never forget when I saw Amy's tomb. It's incredibly dramatic. She was such a lady that her tomb had seven-foot angels bowing down on each side of her tomb. How does that make her a lady? How does that make her... She's such a lady? Number one, he's lying again. These angels that I'm gonna, that you can see on the Word document, or the PDF that I'll be placing, they're may, maybe three feet high. He's saying they're seven foot. He's saying there's walls around. He said he had a key. All lies. You can't even get that right. Then he goes on to say, they're bowing down on each side of the tomb with a gold chain around it. Sorry, Benny, it's more like three foot angels with an iron chain around it. Okay, so let's get back to this. Uh, and then I'm continuing his quote. He says, as incredible as it is that someone would die with angels bowing on each side of her grave. I mean, it's not like she died in her grave and the angels were already there, but that's how he's acting. He says, Benny Hinn says, I felt a terrific anointing when I was there. I actually, I, I hear this, and I'm reading this, quoting it. I trembled when I visited Amy's tomb. I was shaking all over. God's power came all over me. Right. I believe the anointing has lingered over Amy's body. I know this may be shocking to you, and I'm going to take Dave and Kent and Cheryl with me this week to the grave. They're going to come with me. You, you, you're going to feel the anointing on, at Amy's tomb. It's incredible. And Catherine's, it's amazing. This is Catherine Kuhlman's tomb now. I've heard of people healed when they visited that tomb. Now, I know one of these has a phone in it, too, for when either, I think it's Catherine or one of them wake up. They'll make, they'll make the phone call out of the, out of the grave. So, but so far, so far the phone call hasn't come. Imagine that. Uh, let's go further. Uh, he says, they're going to come with me. Uh, and, and Catherine, it's amazing. I've heard of people healed when they visited that tomb. They were totally healed by God's power. And again, Benny's just making this stuff up as he goes. He can't even get the, the, the tomb right. I'm wondering if the guy ever went there. Or, or, I mean, because he says it has walls, he says he had a key, he says it's got golden chains, right? He says he has seven-foot angels. None of that is true. He's a liar. He can't even get that right. And this is something so easily verifiable. You'd think he'd try a little bit harder to get his facts straight, but no. And then he goes on to say, they were totally healed under God's power. And then you say, what a crazy thing. Brother, there's things we'll never understand. Are you hearing me? And again, I've got all the the um, documentation of this is all here. You can check it out for yourself. Uh, the links and everything else. Then the comment from the person that wrote the article says, I guess this lesson from Benny Hinn is universal. The very additional definition of the word Catholic, uh, if you are in Rome, be like the Romans. Uh, Benny Hinn, oh, here's a, there's a picture of him in here you can see too. In regards to Hinn being caught by the anointing during the visiting of Catherine Kuhlman's tomb, that is the ghost that comes up on people whom Benny Hinn touches. In other words, that same spirit that he's supposedly charging himself with. He says he's derived a lot of that from Amy Simple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman's tomb. So we want to take a look at who Catherine Kuhlman and Amy Simple McPherson are because this is where Benny Hinn's claiming a lot of his anointing came from. Uh, the problem, In fact, he basically says he took the mantle from Catherine Kuhlman. When she died, okay, the mantle passed from Amy Simon McPherson to Catherine Kuhlman, and then from Catherine Kuhlman to Benny Hinn. 
The problem is, is that this ghost that they're in reference to is not the Holy Ghost. It is the power from the occult realm that makes you a slave of money and sexual immorality. It is the very spirit of Jezebel. Catherine Kuhlman came on an official visit to guess where? The Vatican on October 11th, 1972 to meet with Pope Pius VI in a private audience. Do you suppose that the Pope blessed her for serving Jesus Christ? Or could it be that an antichrist was blessing one of his own servants? I think it's the latter. After the meeting, she said, this is what Catherine Kuhlman said, after meeting this Pope, she said, when I met Pope Paul, there was a oneness. End of quote. This oneness was carried into and through her interdenominational healing services until her death. And here is a picture of her meeting with this Pope and him holding out, they're holding hands, basically, um, greeting one another. Buckingham writes in her book, Daughter of Destiny, that Kuhlman had a special love for doctors, and one of them, either on the stage or in front rows of the auditoriums, whenever she had her crusades. The same was true of priests and nuns. Now, hey, you know, Billy Graham had priests, and, and I know he had Catholic clergy up there as well. So a lot of a lot of people, I've seen that turning on just, if I was, was to go through, like on TBN, one of the, the trends I've seen a lot within Charismania is them having priests up there, you know, on stage with them. It's like it gives them that, that extra layer of whatever credibility that at least they think it does. But again, what is it about? It's about creating a one world religion. Let's go further here. Uh, nothing thrilled Catherine Kuhlman more than to have 30 or 40 Catholic clergymen. 30 or 40! especially if they wore clerical collars, or better yet, cassocks, sitting behind her while she ministered. Now, if the Catholic Church wasn't in approval of Catherine Kuhlman, why would they sanction 30 or 40 priests to go up there and nuns and sit behind her? They're basically giving it their stamp of approval. Somehow it seemed to lend authenticity to what she was doing and help create the proper climate of trust and understanding which was so necessary for a miracle service. This is what I was reading a quote from that book, Daughter of Destiny. A doctor, a doctor Nolan, in his book Healing, did a long-term follow-up of 23 of Catherine Kuhlman's claimed healings. There were no cures among any of these cases. One woman who said she had been cured of spinal cancer threw away her brace, ran across the stage at Kuhlman's command. Her spine collapsed the very next day. That's how well she got healed. According to Nolan, she died four months later. And again, all of this is referenced, everything that I'm telling you. Uh, Catherine Kuhlman, as a young woman, now listen, meticulously studied Amy Simple McPherson, taking in every moment, every, every movement, every song, every dramatic presentation, every altar call from the vantage of the Angelus Temple balcony. And again, this is all referenced, everything that I'm telling you. For much of Catherine Kuhlman's early ministry, she lived in the shadow of her role model, the most famous woman preacher of all time, Amy Simple McPherson. Although she never met Amy in the Angelus Temple, enough of the glitter rubbed off to start her toward her own superstar status. These are different quotes from different books that I'm reading from. Catherine had a flamboyant lifestyle. Not only did she have a love for very expensive clothes, precious jewelry, luxury hotels, first class travel, but she also married to an evangelist who divorced his wife to marry Kuhlman. Sounds biblical to me. 
let's go further. Amy Subble McPherson. So, okay, so this was the foundation of Catherine Kuhlman's ministry. Amy Subble McPherson. Now it's really going to get interesting. Amy Sybil McPherson, nationally known healing evangelist of the 1920s and 1930s, founded and headed Foursquare Gospel Church. So if you go to a Foursquare Gospel Church, just understand where your foundation comes from. Amy Simple McPherson. And we're going to look at this in a second here. She led a very controversial life and died of a drug overdose in 1944. Sounds like a biblical woman to me. She thought that her organization was in fact restoring true Christianity, which had been lost over the years. She is without a doubt the most controversial of all Pentecostal women. Now, I don't know if that could be said for today, in today's day and age, but at the time she definitely was. She got the baptism in 1907. I think that means she started speaking in tongues. And then soon she went with her husband to China where he died. Hmm. She came back to the United States and traveled as an evangelist. Ah, a woman evangelist. Okay, and in 1919, she settled in Los Angeles, where she built the Angelus Temple. She served as the pastor of the temple until her death in 1944. She is controversial because she faked her own kidnapping in order to carry on an adulterous affair in 1926. Again, sounds like a, a biblical Proverbs 31 woman to me. I don't know about you. During... The, during um, the outcry against her over this affair, she incorporated the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel, which later grew into a large Pentecostal denomination that still continues to this day. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Mm. The Foursquare denomination exists today. Sister Amy died of a barbiturate overdose in 1944. While the Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movements deals with controversial aspect, aspects of Sister Amy's life, her mysterious disappearances and alleged affairs, multiple marriages, two of which ended in divorce, and death from an apparent drug overdose, it is strangely silent about her theatrical preoccupation with the slain in the spirit phenomenon. She was one of the very first ones that started the slain in the spirit phenomenon that goes on today in the charismatic churches where they lay hands on you and you fall back. I know because I was one of the main catchers at my church. Never forget the time that this one guy came, he was like from Australia, and I got there right after work and I always wore a white shirt, tie, dress pants, and I was catching all these particularly women that were falling and I caught this one and I, and I, I kind of squatted down and I just ripped my pants from the front to the back. I mean, it was bad. It was bad, let me tell you. And I didn't even know I did it. And I'm walking around here, you know, and I mean, granted, nothing was, you know, I was, everything was appropriate. I had underwear on and stuff. But I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And the pastor came up to me and pulled my shirt out. <laughs> and then he said, I have one word for you, Dillard's. I remember he said that to me. I forgot about that. Anyway, yeah, anyway, that was, uh, I had that experience. But, um... Yeah, I mean, this guy was going around. He literally had him around this big, gigantic sanctuary that would fit about 5,000 people. And there were just people all the way around. And you'd just catch one and go to the next and catch one. I mean, it was a good workout. You know, I didn't have to go to the gym back then. I just had the workout at the church. But anyway, um, then, okay, so now what do, here's where it really gets interesting. What do New Agers and Maitreya himself teach about Amy Sumble McPherson? You're thinking, what do you mean? This is this is some Christian charismatic. What do you mean, New Agers and Maitreya? 
Oh, let's look at that. Because I find this particularly fascinating in light of the whole Catholic Church tie-in that we just went over with Benny Hinn, Catherine Kuhlman, all the corruption in the Catholic Church. Now let's look at this. This is from Elizabeth Clare Prophet, a prophecy that she gave, that, that totally demon-possessed witch. She gave this on April 1st, 1983 in Camelot, uh, Malibu, California. This was beloved ascended Lady Master Magda channeling through Elizabeth Clare Prophet. You know who ascended Lady Master Magda is or claims to be? Amy Simple McPherson. The spirit of Amy Simple McPherson. Who's Lady Master Magna? Mary Magdalene. That's who she claims to be. She's just been reincarnated in different body forms. This is what the New Agers, this is what Maitreya teaches. Why would they pick her, a Christian minister? Kind of weird. Let's look at, let's look at this, at this channeling. Quote, to look upon Amy Sumble McPherson, some might think it not in the full majesty of the Lord, they cannot imagine that a mere flesh and blood person, such as Mary Magdalene of the Bible, well, what do the Gnostics, what do um, Holy Blood, Holy Grail teach about Jesus? They said he never got crucified. The lost tomb of Jesus, all that blasphemous stuff that came up about the Merovingian bloodline, which, you know where the Merovingian bloodline of the Illuminati says they come from? They said they come from Jesus. What do you mean? They said, oh, he was never crucified. No, he was whisked off the cross and he went with his lover, Mary Magdalene, and they settled up into, into northern the European nations, I believe in Scotland, and they had kids. And that's where the Merovingian bloodline came from, which is what's being taught in many New Age circles now. And it's what the Illuminati claims at the highest level in their 13 families as the Merovingian bloodline. They say they came from Jesus. They're direct descendants of Jesus Christ. They're saying Amy Subba McPherson is the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene who was the wife of Jesus Christ when he walked this earth. That's how this next statement is going to make a lot of sense to you. And remember, this is a channeling straight from a fallen angel most likely. Okay, so they uh, some might, they look upon Amy Subba McPherson they cannot imagine that a mere flesh and blood person such as Mary Magdalene or such as Amy Subba McPherson in the final incarnation meaning she was Mary Magdalene, and then she became Amy Simple McPherson. She was reincarnated. Okay. They could not see how Amy Simple McPherson in the final incarnation could even be worthy of being the bride of Christ. Could even be worthy of being the bride of Christ. Why did they say that? Because what they teach is that Jesus married Mary Magdalene, so... In other words, Amy Sybil McPherson, which is the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene, is the bride of Jesus Christ. That's what they teach. This is beyond blasphemous. And because their minds always contemplate flesh and blood union, they cannot imagine the necessity of the eternal Christ for having a wife in heaven, much less a wife on earth. You're missing this. Now, I give you a picture of the book that this comes from. And then this goes on to say, I'm just about done here. This goes on to say, her incarnation with her twin flame divine counterpart, the, this is the false Master Jesus that we've talked about so much. This is the same Master Jesus that Maitreya says, when he shows up, 
he is going to have this Master Jesus with him at some point, and he is going to be the one that goes, guess where, to Rome and takes over the Pope's seat in the Vatican. He is going to be the one um, commissioned to unite all of particularly Christianity under a one-world religion. Now, I've said this before, but the, the images that we see of the Jesus that's portrayed today, that long hair version, that's the version that Michelangelo gave us, that's the version the Catholic Church gave us, and if that version shows up, there are going to be millions and millions and millions of Christians that think that he's the real deal just because of what he looks like. And if he's the one that goes to Rome and sits in the, in the Vatican and, and is, is commissioned to unite all the one world religions, there's a good chance he's the false prophet because the false prophet is going to be the religious one between the Antichrist and the false prophet. The false prophet is going to be the one that's going to do, be doing a lot of the line signs and wonders and miracles. He's going to be a false version of Jesus Christ. This is what Maitreya says is going to happen. Now, if it goes down that way, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and get all dogmatic and say, yes, it's got to be this way because Maitreya said it and because all these New Agers said it. But I'll tell you what, if it did go down that way, can you imagine how many people are going to fall hook, line, and sinker and be deceived over this? So this goes on to say her incarnation with her twin flame divine counterpart, which is this master, ascended master Jesus, enabled her to prove that all are worthy of God's love and can receive his blessings. So in other words, everybody's going to heaven and we can receive his blessings. This is another gospel. Her final incarnation, Mary Magdalene, was in the United States as Amy Semple McPherson where she died in 1944. In that lifetime, she brought the messages of love and healing from the ascended masters, especially Master Jesus, and was persecuted and isolated as a consequence, even so she never wavered in her devotion. Oh, she really was a true, you know, Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, who could argue that? We, we just went over her pedigree there. She holds for us the energies of Jesus' power of healing and can help us connect more strongly with his energies. Now, understand, if you're part of this, you're, you're, you're literally in strong delusion. If you think that she was a woman of God, if you're in these denominational movements where the foundation was laid by people like her, you, you better seriously get on your knees and, and rethink things because um, hopefully I've done enough here to convince you today that you know, you're in serious delusion. Now, the devil himself, Sananda Emmanuel, otherwise known as Ascended Master Jesus, okay, he also calls himself Sananda Emmanuel, which is the same pictures that we always see of Jesus portrayed, he channeled the following damage control quote regarding McPherson. He said, quote, Take the example of one who was told about my beloved Magda, who is Mary Magdalene. The one who was, a, was of a Christian denomination, and was told that Mary Magdalene had made her ascension after her passing as Amy Semple McPherson. In other words, after she died as Amy Semple McPherson, supposedly she became an ascended master. This is what they teach. And that she had spent half of a century at inner levels balancing the remainder of her karma. Anyway... I just thought that's kind of interesting how this all ties together. Hinn, uh, then just concluding here, Benny Hinn incidentally claims that besides being visited by Jesus Christ himself, 
the Old Testament prophet Elijah and others, that Kuhlman has made her appearance several times and speaks to him from beyond the grave. Well, what's that called? That's called necromancy. Talking to the dead. It was a, it was a crime punishable by death in the Old Testament because you're communicating with, with demons. You're not communicating with that person. If Kuhlman was in heaven, she's not going to come down here and talk to you. And if she's in hell, she ain't coming up from hell to talk to you either. What is he talking to? He's talking to a familiar spirit. He's talking to a spirit familiar with Catherine Kuhlman. And when that familiar spirit manifests in the room with him, it looks just like her. And it sounds just like her. In fact, it could have been the demon, and it probably was the demon, that was possessing Catherine Kuhlman while she was alive. And it might have even been the demon that was giving her her false powers to deceive. That's all he was talking to. Happens all the time in the occult. So, that's about it. There's another link here you can go on regarding Benny Hinn preaching the Gnostic Jesus. Anyway, that's all for today. Um, we'll, we'll see you back on Sunday, and we'll be getting into some other pretty heavy-duty issues. A lot of these issues we're going to cover on Sunday are going to relate to what they're doing to the food, the water supply, and the vaccines. Things are really heating up and you really need to stay educated about these things because they're not trivial issues. They're issues that can affect you body, soul, and spirit. And um, I don't know how much longer I'll be permitted to do this, but you know, pray for us that, that we're able to keep continuing the fight and um, we'll go from there. I'll go ahead and end this in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and time you've given us. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We praise you, Lord God for your salvation, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save our souls, for, for his finished work on the cross, for the blood that he shed to pay our sin debt. Lord, we just praise you for your goodness and mercy. I do pray you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, that you would bless my listeners, Lord God, the body of Christ, the orphans, the widows, the weak, the meek, those, Lord God, that, that need to be saved, that your convicting power would be upon them, that your angels would encamp around about them, that you would use the body of Christ mightily, Lord God, for your glory today and in the times to come. And I pray for your protective hand to be upon us as well. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.